Hello, everyone. Welcome back to She's in Tech. I am Lindsay Wardell, software engineer at This.Labs. With me today are Maria and Susan. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm Maria Loza. I am a software engineer at Picnic. You can find me using the handler at this underscore underscore Maria. And thank you for having me. My name is Susan Ma. I am currently working at Stackblitz as a community engineer, and you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. Excellent. And what's fun is we used to work together all at this dot. We've done a, uh, some projects together, so it's a lot of fun just to get back together and talk. So this is great. Definitely. I'm very excited. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's, yeah, it's been so long that it's really nice to see your faces again that really, really nice to me in the company. Yeah. Our sponsor today is This.Labs a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. So this episode today, we're going to be talking about our personal career paths and how we got into tech. So which one of you would you like to start? I guess I'll start. Okay. How I started was funny. I was actually a biochem major because the goal for me was to be a cardiologist. I got all the way up to organic chemistry and with each level of like physics and chemistry and all the craziness, I, I couldn't really find the heart for it, <laughs> even though I was like, I'm sure it'll get more fun as I get higher up. It was not the case. If anything, I think organic chemistry really killed it for me and decided <laughs> I need <laughs> If anything, I was like, I need to find a way out. This is not going well. And I remembered that I like computers. Wasn't really sure what I could do with computers at that point. Because I think it was like year 2016 in like a small town section. So like computer science wasn't a thing I knew about. But it was like, well, I've seen movies. I know what programming looks like. Emphasis on bunny ears on looks like. And I was thinking, well, it can't be too hard, right? So uh, I decided to immediately switch careers, not even think about it too hard, jump the bandwagon from chemistry to computer science, which was a really big deal for me because that was the same year that I was supposed to be transferring out. So with the fact that I've already been at junior college for like four years and switching mm -hmm. to a major last year was very stressful. Luckily, I managed to already have everything done because of the chemistry track that I was on. So I was able to still switch out. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. But I do I do like the fact that at some point, because of organic chemistry, I was able to start recognizing like the ingredients in the back of the shampoo bottles was one of the, the coolest <laughs> things I got out of organic chemistry. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's kind of cool in and of itself because mm -hmm. I'll look at those and like, okay, that's a thing. I'm, I'm, okay, I'll put yeah. that in my hair. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. If you ask me now, I, I can't tell you what, what one thing is anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I got into it. Uh, I still remember going to my first programming class and it was all guys. And I think I only saw maybe one female in there, but it was one of those like, I think I saw her at the other side of the room. But like, it was such, to me, it was like a sea of guys. Like I couldn't really like check without being a weirdo so uh that was very intimidating and i'm glad i stuck with it because i really loved it and i still love coding and that's that's how i got into it so i would like to hear how everyone else because i love hearing people's journeys on how they start working in tech definitely i um so similarly i came from a non-technical background and hopefully this will be a fun story for people who are transitioning careers because i think the idea of transitioning careers is easier to do now than let's say decades ago and i love that there's some of that flexibility so um, originally i had studied music business in college and so um, that kind of got me into working with bands eventually touring with bands for a while and admittedly it was fun i was not really the type to want to travel necessarily, but it was just part of the job. So, you know, you help with merch, you help with getting the guarantees and the money. You got to make sure people are fed, you know what I mean? And just helping make sure that they're well prepared to perform on stage. So I did that for a few years and enjoyed it, but it just wasn't sustainable. Like I was very like DIY minded and wasn't really interested in like, you know, working with the big labels and whatever. But then I soon realized I was like, 
man, I am not making money on this. And for how much time I was spending, it was important that I was able to find something to help sustain my lifestyle. Not to say my lifestyle was fancy by any means, but just like, hey, can I pay rent? Can I pay the bills and things like that? So interestingly enough, every time I have personally switched careers, it always happens in between like some sort of family emergency that happens for me. So after touring with bands and whatnot, I had to come back home and help with some family stuff. And my family, they are out in the Northern Virginia, uh, DC metropolitan area. And prior, I had kind of moved around everywhere because I went to school in Tennessee. I loved driving like cross country and stuff in my little Toyota Corolla which is still being used right now, like 15 years later, which is crazy. But afterwards, I was pursuing a job opportunity out in Seattle. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be a big trip. I drove over there to move over there. Unfortunately, the job fell through, but then I found myself working at a college for for game design, like video game design. And so I started in the admissions office Uh, worked my way up through there and then did a little bit of curriculum development and helping with outreach events and whatnot. And that was a really cool experience because I met people that I would have probably never talked to in my life. Otherwise, I loved Seattle, like being so close to Portland, Oregon and being so close to Vancouver, BC. It was just so fun to just take weekend trips, again, see different sceneries, meet other people. Admittedly, I did run into what they call the Seattle freeze when I first moved there, mainly because everyone's kind of in their own little groups and cliques already. So sometimes it can be difficult to kind of go out and meet new people, especially I have more of an introverted personality where sometimes it can be difficult for me to approach people first. But I felt very comfortable once I got adjusted and I was there for a few years. And actually, I would say that was probably the start of my interest in programming because I was around a lot of computer scientists. A lot of the incoming students would talk about different projects that they're working on. Um, I worked closely with a lot of the faculty and program directors, and they would just talk about the curriculum and different projects that they were wanting to pursue uh, with like senior students, for example, and how they're creating projects that can continue to live after graduation so that these projects can be implemented with different companies that these students uh, move on to work with, which is really cool. So, um, but anyways, so had another family emergency, parents got sick, had to move back home. So it was like, I would say that particular job. I enjoyed it so much where I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to go back? But after I moved back home to Virginia, I stayed there for, I want to say almost a year, a little under a year. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? It's like, I could go back to my other job, but admittedly, and now that I'm reflecting back on it, like I got paid nothing and Seattle is not a cheap city. So it's like, you know, I'm getting older now. I need to really start thinking about either like investing, saving, like I need to set myself up for wealth in the future. And unfortunately, in that particular role, I just, I didn't think it was possible. So at the time, my partner was like, hey, how about, like, what do you think about programming? He's also an engineer. So I was like, okay, sure, why not? Like, I've, I've heard of it. Like, I'm not particularly interested in, like, computer hardware or anything. I played PC games when I was younger, and that was really the extent of my computer, I guess, my love for computers. I don't know. So I ended up moving to Boston with my partner or my partner was already there. And I pursued a programming bootcamp called Launch Academy. And let me tell you, I don't know what I thought before I went in there because I just thought, yeah, I'll be studying here and there. No, do not have that mindset when you go into a bootcamp. Because when you go to a bootcamp, the point is you are studying new concepts in a very, very short period of time. And there's not a lot of time for application. So you have to be really good at time management uh, to really get through the material. And at the time, actually, there was some still stuff, there was still some stuff happening at home. So I was context switching constantly. And a lot of the stuff that was happening at home was health related things with my parents. So it was a lot of context switching on like, okay, I got to code in the morning, but like during my, you know, quote unquote lunch hour, I got to check in with the doctors and talk about this and go back and forth. So during those like, like two months or so, it was bananas. Like, I can't even tell you specifically what happened during that time because there's, I, I felt like there's just so much going on. And at the time when I was going to the boot camp, the commute was insane because I lived on the outskirts of the city. So it's like, I would have to drive to the train station, ride the train, then ride the subway and then walk to, to the building. And so, but I will say, I guess in hindsight, looking back, it's like that really helped trigger this, like, Hey, learn how to manage your time better kind of thing. So I think by the end of the bootcamp, I felt really comfortable managing my time. 
But admittedly, I was, in general, I have pretty low self-esteem when it comes to like tech skills and like meeting expectations, if you will. And I think part of that is just my personality of constantly being hard on myself. So after my boot camp, like during the last, I think it was like the last day of the boot camp, we had what they called like a career kickoff. So um, at the time, this is pre-pandemic back in like fall of, no, like winter of 2019. So we had employers come to the campus. They would listen to our presentations with hopes that you would get an interview afterwards. And I remember during that presentation, of course, I'm crazy nervous. And I I tend to stutter quite a bit, especially when I'm nervous. And I remember during one of the practice rounds that we did with the other students, I was trying to say the words listing and user. But then when I was practicing, I somehow combined them and said loser. And I was like, oh God, oh God. Like, luckily, this is just during the practice round and not the actual presentation. But I'm just thinking about all the stuff that I messed up on before. But again, you know, luckily did the presentation. It went fine. I did not say loser, thank goodness. But afterwards, there there was this like lunchtime mingling session. And I remember at the time, you know, the career services person was like, hey, this is like the best time for you to get to know the employers, like get your name out there, uh, establish some sort of connection and relationship with them. But unfortunately, I had to to talk with one of the doctors for a family member. So I remember I had to sit out during that whole mingling period. And of course, I'm listening to the doctors trying to ask questions to figure things out. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm not going to get a job. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not getting to know anyone. So, you know, after this meeting, I come out and I get an email that evening um, that uh, from the career services office. It's like, hey, these two companies want an interview with you tomorrow. And I was like. What? I was just like freaking That's out. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was very lucky that it happened that way, but I was just freaking out because I was like, because what I had done, which this is, I need to change this up. But I remember thinking, oh my God, this is my last day. I'm just going to get a hotel in the city and I'm just going to party and get drunk for finishing it and just sleep the night off. What did I do? I went to the hotel, stayed up till like, I don't think I slept at all, but I remember looking at my clock and it was 4.30 and I was reading on like, top 25 javascript interview questions (laughs) and like because this is my first tech interview ever there was really no I don't want to say guidance but you know I didn't have time to talk to anyone at these companies or anyone who's applied before to know what the interview process was like and thank goodness I brought like a new set of clothes otherwise I would have just been going to these interviews in the same clothes they just saw me the day before (laughs) so in a weird way, things kind of worked out that way. But that's, you know, when I started my first internship, that luckily turned into like a full-time developer role. And during this time is when I realized, oh my God, imposter syndrome, like this thing that everyone talks about, like you can feel it on so many different levels. And I don't know if there's any developer or person in general just working or no, any human being in general, honestly, who has never felt this. Like I think everyone has felt it or feels it in some capacity. And, you know, at the time being a junior dev, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And now that you're in an environment where people don't exactly walk you through everything, there's this expectation like, hey, you're, you know, you're going to take initiative and figure this out kind of thing, which, you know, I think can work really well too. But again, maybe in different capacities for different people. And throughout my time there, especially as a full-time engineer, I felt like, man, I am not getting the support that I need. Like, especially as a junior dev, my main questions were like, am I learning anything? Am I able to establish good relationships with my team? And probably most importantly of all, like, did I internally feel fulfilled? And I felt like no to all three of those questions. So I was really emotional during that time. So I ended up just kind of quitting without even any thought of like, where am I going to go next? Because at that time I was really questioning, do I belong in tech? Like, is this the right place for me? And, you know, I heard all the statistics. I've heard all the stories. And I was like, like, don't even think about that. Like, it's not even about that. It's like about me right now. This is my life. This is like my career. What do I want to do? And so thankfully, I ran into this dot and I saw that they had an apprentice program. Admittedly, I was like, man, I'm going from a full-time software engineering role to an apprentice role. I was like, you know what? Again, you know what? Everyone journey looks different, whatever. Let me just give it a shot. And so it was really nice that, Tracy is in a position who is also a woman in tech, and she had a lot of experience. You know, she's really great at talking, but also connecting with other people and really helping junior devs. So got into this dot through the apprentice program. And funny enough, this dot actually really helped me set up 
for where I am at Stackblitz now, which is doing DevRel. So before I even pursued uh, coding projects with various clients, I actually did DevRel first. So I worked uh, very closely with Sarah and Marie and the whole um, team over at this side. And I was helping with tweets. I was just helping with content. And it made me realize, oh, like, is coding what I want to do 100%? It's like, I enjoy the community. I enjoy coding culture. I do enjoy coding on my own, but it's very different when you code on your own versus code with a deadline, right? Coding on demand, if you will. And that was something that, one, I didn't feel like I was great at. Two, I didn't have the intellectual curiosity that I saw other developers have where they really want to pursue, like, how do I fix this in the most optimized way? Versus me, I was thinking, like, I think it works, <laughs> which is like, honestly, if you want to be like hardcore developer, that's probably not the best mindset, but it opened up different doors for me to consider other roles in tech. And during my time at this dot, I did get a chance to work on coding projects with various clients. And I did uh, pursue, you know, for example, uh, previously I would work on the She's in Tech podcasts and what a great way to meet people and hear people's stories and also be able to share my own experiences. So all that experience has really led me to where I am with Stacklets, where I had worked with them just on a contract basis for a while, just like, um, hey, let's just try this one project together. And then luckily, I feel like we got along really well. And um, I was very fortunate to get hired there full time permanently now. And as a community engineer, it's my job to basically brainstorm and help execute different strategies for us to engage with the communities better. And admittedly, this is something I'm still new at. And I was actually telling both Lindsay and Maria previously that, you know, a lot of my tasks are not just DevRel related necessarily. It's really a mix of internal things and just other projects that are going on with the company. So um, I love that in this company, uh, they value the work culture and they value professional growth for people. One of the things I learned from, I guess, previous roles is like, I need to ex be explicit about what I want and what I need. And Sacklets actually provided me this platform where I felt safe to share that. Like I didn't feel guilty about either wanting more money, wanting different projects, you know, anything like that. So interestingly enough, like the switch into tech has really, I feel like opened up lots of doors in general, definitely not just professionally speaking, but I have met so many cool people that I probably wouldn't would have never helped, you know, have talked to otherwise. And even now there's other like women in tech and junior devs who are reaching out to me that are like, hey, I listened to something you were on or I read something that you wrote and just had some questions. And I was like, yo, I'm like one of those people now. Like I would have never thought someone would reach out to me for help. So it was a very you're, you're interesting. You're one conference. of those people now. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Like, because I mean, even now I'm just like, who's going to learn anything from me? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just appreciate that really the switch into tech has kind of enabled these different relationships and these different communities to really rise. And it makes me even more excited. You know, right now, do I still doubt my skills? Yeah, that's just human nature for me, quite honestly. But it's like, I can't like negate the fact that there are people who like who trust me. There are people who want to work with me and there are people who want to support me and vice versa. So it's like, this sounds like sounds like mushy, but it's like the love really does continue to grow. Does that mean it's always going to be positive and happy all the time? No, but I love that at the end of the day, I can still come back and say like, there's people who support me. There's people who appreciate the work that I do. And I think things like that really keep me going in tech. So for anyone who is transitioning into tech or anyone who's like kind of doubtful, like I definitely recommend finding those points that really make you feel fulfilled as a person and just continue to pursue those. So sorry, that took like 20 minutes. I apologize. <laughs> I was just going to add, and that's, that's why I love tech, because there's so many paths that you can take. And then even within those paths, they trickle out to even different paths. So that's why it's one of the best things that no matter how you are as a person, you can, you can probably find something you love in tech. And then as a segue, Lindsay, if you could give us an example of how you got, which, which path did you take and where, what have you learned so far? So I think my path, between the two of you, my path is the most mainstream. I grew up very interested in programming, very interested in making games and specifically making games. I was using tools like uh, Multimedia Fusion wow. to, with, the, with the explicit goal of making Sonic the Hedgehog fan games. Perfect. <laughs> It was fun. It was so much fun. But at some point I was talking to somebody in that community and they were like, yeah, I'm not using that tool anymore. Cause I was asking, can I see the source? I'm really interested in how you do this thing. It's like, yeah, I'm not using that tool anymore. I'm writing the game in C. And what's C? 
It's, oh, it's a programming language. Wait, you can make games writing words? Hold on. This doesn't make sense. So <laughs> then I got into this, this whole side of the things. Never really gotten to see. And I kind of pivoted out of games at that point. But I started learning HTML, PHP, CSS. That, that was really my focus for a good eight, nine, ten years while I was going through middle and high school. I'd be I'd be one of those nerds who was walking into the, the library and instead of going out to the playground during lunch in middle school, carrying those massive HTML and CSS books Aww. and just reading them. That's that's what I did. And then for whatever reason, I just stopped. I, I don't really know why, but like 2012, I, I made a custom CMS for an organization I was working with. Ooh. That was really the last thing I built for a long time. And I switched into working retail. I worked at Office Depot. And then I left there and started working at a freight forwarding company. For those not familiar, freight forwarding is helping customers who need to ship their their uh, product either internationally or domestically. Uh, we focused on international shipping into, uh, in particular, Japan, Korea, and China. So lots of hay, lots of straw, lots of booking containers. And I was working <laughs> at, at just a lot of different things. And I was also fulfilling a role as an IT manager because I had that interest in computers. Mm. And... Two years into the job, the the business was being sold to a son-in-law. And at the same time, I had friends trying to convince me, you should really look at programming. Like, this is a thing that I think you'd be good at. Mm-hmm. And I had, for some reason, probably because of community college, decided that programming wasn't for me. C and C++ made no sense. And even though I knew PHP and I knew HTML and I knew CSS, I didn't think that was really programming. So I never, I never pursued it. Uh, but eventually they convinced me. I went to a boot camp. Uh, in Portland, Oregon, and came out of it thinking, okay, I can actually do this. I'm going to be a developer. They taught C Sharp, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's okay. I get it now. That's something, but I don't want to do that. I'm going to go in Node. We're going to do all JavaScript. And I was I able I was able to convince the new owner of the business, hey, we need a new app. This thing was developed in 1995, needs to be replaced. <laughs> so was able to build a new app for with, using Vue and Node, just going all in on JavaScript. It felt great. Like this this is the wow. thing I need to do now. At that point, I had been studying to, so I was in college at Western Governors University, which is an online school. Mm-hmm. I had been studying originally accounting because I didn't think I could be a programmer. And then I realized that's the wrong choice. I'm going to switch to their IT school. I went into network administration. That program closed. They shifted me into cloud administration. At that point, I told my mentor, I think I want to go into software development instead. Mm-hmm. So just kept changing my degree as, as one does. Ended up with a bachelor's in software development. So that's that's my main path into programming. At that point, I went to work Daimler Trucks North America. The, the, the part that I feel fits more into this podcast as well is in 2017, 2018, I started transitioning. So I used pronouns she, her, and I started dressing in a way that felt more comfortable and presenting in a way that felt more comfortable. And at the company I was originally at, they, they accepted it. Unfortunately, the company's name also had Lindsay in its name. So... Oh. I decided to continue going with my previous name just to ease the customers into it and mm-hmm. everything. But my next job, I was planning just being all in, all mm-hmm. out, as it were. And that was a little terrifying, going to my first interview in person. Mm-hmm. And I, I was talking to, to the recruiter and it's like, okay. And just so you like, they're, how are we going to know who you are? It's like, well, I'll be wearing a skirt. And I could hear it in their voice. They were a little taken aback oh. at, at that. But it was something they just, they ran with it. They didn't, they didn't have a problem. It was just surprising. And I was able to get through the interview, got the first position. That went great. And my manager at the time was so nice because she would, she was very concerned about people around me not treating me in a disrespectful way. Mm. I don't I don't think I relayed to her that it was my first job being completely out as a as a transgender person. But mm. she was very considerate, making sure that my team members were were treating me properly and and respecting me. And when it did come up with other members of the company. She was able to to step in. Everyone everyone on my team was able to to help defend me. So it just felt really nice. It was a great both entry point into the development ecosystem, getting to work with other developers, but also it's a really really gentle coming out in the professional ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So that that was very nice. But then the project I was at was starting to wrap up, and I saw a job posting at this dot. And at, by that point, I'd already been doing views on view. I'd seen some of the this dot events and podcasts and things. And I was like, oh, this is great. In the job description, it said, you're going to be working on podcasts, you're going to be doing shows, you're going to be doing events. And I was like, I am all in. And Tracy was just so much fun to talk to. And I'm just very grateful that I got this opportunity to be here. And again, this dot 
as as a company, like you were saying, Susan, it's just such a great place. There's so many intelligent people that are accepting and wanting to help everyone become better developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that this is this is how it is in a majority of the the dev ecosystem at different companies. But mm-hmm. something I very much treasure here is just what the level of support and willingness to help when when somebody admits a weakness. It's given me a lot of confidence. I used to have the same kinds of issues that you were mentioning, Susan, with with uh, imposter syndrome and not really having a lot of what's the right word. I didn't feel like I was really good at what I was doing, even though. I had enough evidence to the contrary that I did actually know what I was doing and people valued that. But working with this group of developers has really helped me build my own confidence and self-esteem. That was the word I was looking for. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've put together the curriculum. And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. Actually, I do have a question, Lindsay, about so your first company that you were at. Do you feel like if you did not have a manager and a team who cared about you, do you feel like that would have changed the outcome of sort of your professional growth in tech, like as a software developer? Or do you feel like you would have taken the steps of, you know, quitting and find something else quicker, I guess? That's a good question. I would hope that I would have looked for a better place to work and found a better manager and gotten that support. I don't actually know if I would have done that, though. Because because that didn't happen. But my confidence at the time was not as much as it is now. So I, I can't really put myself into those shoes in the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I can look at what I did when I was at the Freight Forwarder. I mm-hmm. had a previous manager at Office Depot reach out. I was like, hey, you want to be a department manager at this store? Uh, which I'd been work, working to be a department manager when I was there. Ah. And he had been a previous manager that knew that. So he was trying to to grab me back in. And I almost took that job because I didn't have the confidence at the freight forwarder. I felt like I kept failing. I wasn't fast enough. I didn't know enough. I couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost took that job. I'm very glad I didn't. Imagine I would still be in retail at this point if mm-hmm. I had. So yeah, definite maybe uh, that I would have mm-hmm. just backed out. Maybe I would have retreated to the the freight forwarder or I would have retreated into something that I was already familiar with mm-hmm. uh, and written off programming is a bad idea, but I hope not. Thanks yeah, for no, sharing that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's it's very good to hear because so many people, I feel like in tech, especially for females that don't have that support and, and they go through their work and sometimes they, they don't feel appreciated and kind of in a relation. I've seen that happen at, at school. I've seen a lot of students like they'll go through their first few courses of intro to programming. And either the professor's not really putting too much effort or they're not really doing the necessary stuff to make programming fun instead of making it, you know, more logical and making it kind of like dry, I guess is the best term. I've seen students just drop, switch to a different career. And it's it's very frustrating to see that now, especially that that I think about it, because that that class was not a representation of what programming is. And I've I've also heard stories very similar where the manager wasn't supportive. So they decided this is probably how everyone gets treated if you're if you identify mm-hmm. as a woman. So I'm just gonna not continue and tag. So mm-hmm. it's really it's really amazing to hear that you had a manager that was really supportive. And top of that, a female <laughs> manager. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are always also very rare miracles in tech. So it's it's really nice to see that the support is there, and we just need to remember to support each other. And I feel like that's how we get through it together. I agree. Like I think. I guess more recently, what we've been talking about kind of centers around what I, I guess, think of as like gratitude. So it's like, I know for me, and this is sort of something I know I need to change is like, I'll often look back on experiences that were bad, but I never really take the time to reflect on the good situations and to like really think about, oh my gosh, if this person hadn't stepped in, if this didn't happen this way, I could be in a different place right now. So it's like, I try really hard to reflect like whether it's my day or my week, like I'm a 
huge planner. Like I love writing things down and having check items or whatever. But, you know, one of that, quite honestly, is just reflecting and expressing gratitude. So it's like, that's a practice I feel like I've started maybe like a year or two ago. And I feel like because it's just part of my routine now, it's, I think I, it just really reemphasizes for me how important it is to, to give gratitude, right? Like a lot of people are so quick to point out what's wrong or maybe the bad about something, but we don't spend enough time really pointing out the good and giving thanks to people. And I think especially for people who are in senior positions, management or leader, leadership positions, like they are most likely in this, they're all like their workday probably always looks like complaint, 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 need to change this. This isn't working. Oh, someone just told me to quit. Oh, someone just told me I suck versus, I mean, surely there is some good that happens. So it's like, I know like for, for my managers and whatnot, like I try to share with them like, Hey, I really appreciated how you asked me about X, Y, Z. Like that made me feel really comfortable. That made me comfortable to share with you feedback that I have. And like, if you've never tried it before, like try it and just see what happens. Cause like, I guarantee it's actually not going to be bad. <laughs> so I just think it's great that what you guys shared, it's like, it really emphasizes like, Hey, like let's tell people they're great when they're doing great. Like let's point out the things that people are doing well so that they will continue to do those great things. And um, I think that's a really great way to support each other as people in tech, as women in tech, and just as human beings, you know what I mean? So especially with the pandemic, man, it's lonely out there, <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> I know in some areas, it's a little bit safer to go out and whatnot, but you know, understandably, there's people who are just not in that situation. They might live with dependents, might have people, you know, living with people with immunodeficiencies, or just don't feel comfortable going out the way we used to, right? And mm -hmm. I think because this new normal, if you will, is not going to be the same as pre-pandemic normal, at least not right now. And so it's just having that, making that human connection, I feel like is so important. So yeah, I hope people feel encouraged to share the good things about each other. And also to yourself, like, again, this imposter syndrome stuff can get crazy sometimes. So it's like, sometimes you just got to fight it off with like good things about yourself. You know what I mean? So, you know, it is, is, yeah, imposter syndrome is everywhere. And I think that's how I get through it, support. If it wasn't for the fact that I had internships very young in my professional experience during college, I think I, I might have taken a different path. I don't know if I would have the confidence to continue with programming. It's just always nice to hear that, you know, you're doing good. You're, uh, you're not as bad as you think you are. And then you have the evidence to back it up, especially if they're going to deploy it and have the public look at it, right? <laughs> I mean, why would they put their name on it if it's not going to look good? So it's, it's finding support is the biggest thing. And as Susan says, you know, especially during COVID, it's, it's very lonely out there. So finding support online or however you can, it's, it's one of those things that we need to really push ourselves. And I know that we're wrapping up, but uh, I wanted to ask Lindsay a question and I don't know if it's going to be quick. So let's do it. Lindsay, you're the first Little person round. that I've heard that you've taken a boot camp and gone to school for computer science. Which one did you prefer? Ooh. Well, that's a good question. Right. And then I have follow-up questions to that, but I'll be good this time and just ask this one. Hey, that is really unique, Lindsay. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's done both either. So this would be really interesting. Making me think you're on the spot. For those, since uh, this is an audio podcast, uh, <laughs> Lindsay's having the most, oh, like looking into the past and trying to like figure out what was actually the best one, <laughs> for you know, in your opinion, not I, like for everyone. So, so I did the boot camp at the end of 2017, start of 2018. And I finished, I, at the time I had been in school. I actually took a break from school to do the boot camp. I started school in whatever year that was, end of 2015. And that was, again, for accounting and then network administration. So I, I took a break at school to do the boot camp. And then I continued my degree to finish it. I don't know if I would have finished it if I had done the boot camp before I started school. I don't know if I would have gotten the degree. I feel like the boot camp had the most impact on my career. Because it introduced me into concepts that are more mainstream, mm -hmm. like how to use Git, how to use JavaScript, things like yeah. that. Whereas mm -hmm. the four-year degree was, it wasn't a CS degree, it was software development. And it introduced me, specifically, I was on the C-sharp track. So I was mm -hmm. looking at things like Xamarin and WinForms and how to use Link in the, the .NET framework stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not stuff I really use today. 
whereas the things that I learned in the boot camp, I feel like were more immediately applicable and set me on the right path so that I could learn Node and Vue and React and all of those things. The, the boot camp was also very C-sharp focused, uh, which is part of why I did that as my four-year, but it set enough of a groundwork that I was able to build on top of it. Whereas the four-year degree, if I'd only done the four-year degree, it would have been great, but the boot camp covered so much of it in such a shorter time and at a much reduced cost. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for answering that. Because yeah, I hear different experiences. And the one thing I, I do hear constantly is boot camp is really fast. So if you're not a the type of person who doesn't like being sped up during a learning process, boot camps are probably not the best course of action in self-teaching is. Now, I, I will throw out props to Western Governors University and anyone who is looking at a four-year degree, that's a great choice because mm-hmm. it is fully remote and you can accelerate at your own pace. Oh. So oh, at the time, nice. I don't remember the exact numbers, but when I was doing it, a six-month term was about $3,000 and you could just mm-hmm. do as many classes as you could fit into that time. Wow. So at the beginning, I was able to just accelerate through the base classes and get through a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I got to more difficult tasks, I could just take fewer classes wow. and, and put in more time and effort into them. So if you do want to go the four-year degree route, WGU is an excellent choice. That said, look at boot camps around you. Maybe that's a better option if you're getting into programming. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow, they were like way ahead of their time then, because I feel like only now are boot camps really starting to give some of that flexibility. And I feel like they're only... No offense to boot camps, but I feel like a lot of them are changing those strategies because of the pandemic, which is awesome. Like they're moving and changing with the times. But like, man, your school Lindsay, that's awesome. Yeah, the the boot camp I went to is also a little ahead in that way. I did a mm. lot of it remote. They did have an office you could go to, but most of the going in was like sitting at a desk and doing your own thing. Still, <laughs> there were a couple in person events, and that was really the benefit of the the space. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of remote learning and, and going at your own pace. So no surprise, I went with both of those options. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for answering that. But yeah, of like course. I said, I have so many more questions, but I, I think I'll uh, try to see if we get a podcast specific for those. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have another podcast about that because I think that is a really interesting topic. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people sort of on the fence, right? Whether it's transit like transitioning out of their work and going into tech whether it's pursuing even other technical roles. Should I go to a bootcamp? Should I pursue mm-hmm. a two-year, four-year degree? And I don't know about you all, money's tight though. I don't have like 50 grand to just be like, yeah, some people do. And if you do and you're able to allocate that money for that, awesome. But there are other options out there. So I hope people don't feel like there's nothing out there. Right now is like, feels like the best time to learn coding because mm-hmm. there's so many great resources. There's a great community out there. And I think um, even sort of the... Uh, the typical, uh, how would you say, like when you talk about developers nowadays, like if you were to ask me to like describe the typical developer, like I would have really empathetic things to say about them. Cause I feel like most of the developers I have met are always open to learning more, wanting to support you, uh, wanting to spend time to pair a program with you and whatnot versus, I don't know, maybe like decades ago that looked very different back then. But I feel like nowadays, there is some change. Um, do we need more? Yes. And that's why we got good people fighting the good fight to help us with that. But just know that you're not, that you don't have to be stuck. There are other options and it might be difficult to get out of that, but that's why you got a community. So we are here for you. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know that kind of goes into our next section of the podcast, right? Which is tips that we want to share. My tip I would like to give is be proud of what you do. I mean, I know we mentioned a lot of support and finding support, but there are times that we can't find that group, right? So I, I like to always think of what I do once a week and w- write it down almost. What did you do that week that you're proud of? And it doesn't have to be like this huge thing like, oh, I created this huge app that everyone in the company does or uses. It could be whatever you are honestly proud of. And the more that you write it down, the more that becomes your brag document. And that brag document can really be so useful in helping you write your resume or asking for promotion or any of that sense, or even just, again, self-esteem. So that's that's my tip of supporting of yourself. That is an awesome tip. And I will say for people, I don't know if I ever mentioned this in podcasts in the past, but Maria actually used to be my mentor at this time. So she has a lot of context to you know, how I was just as not only as a developer, but like as a person, how I navigated through 
different situations. And Maria had just mentioned the brag document, which was a little bit new for me. But when she had mentioned it, I was like, I was almost like shy. It felt strange, like writing your accomplishments. Cause I was like, what do I do? That's an accomplishment. You know what I mean? And again, that's the whole, I don't want to generalize as just, oh, this is just part of imposter syndrome. But as someone with the personality of like, I'm always hard on myself. I rarely give myself compliments or admit that I achieved something or did something good. Like the idea of a brag document really helped me feel safe being able to share that information. So like the first step of a brag document was like just writing it out, right? So that that is me myself acknowledging the thing, the good things that I've done and then also being able to share it with someone. And Maria is absolutely correct where that is something that can really CYA, if you will, when it comes to asking for, for a promotion or wanting a raise, like you're highlighting the value that you've brought and all the hard work that you've put in. So, you know, if anyone has trouble outlining that sort of generally, I, I think Maria's idea of the brag document is a great idea. Oh, tip. Oh, hmm. Saying I got so many tips, so we ain't got time for all of them. So I will choose one. <laughs> and I think I've said this a few times where it's like, find your A team. So I feel like you got to find people that support you, like that you support and that support you. And that doesn't mean it has to be coworkers. It doesn't even have to mean anyone within your company, let's say, or in your immediate friend, like circle necessarily, but find people who are honest with you, like find people who will challenge what you bring for the sake of having the context of like more perspectives and sort of with the idea of like potential improvement. So I feel like you need people, you need to have people who like celebrate your wins as if they also won, you know what I mean? But also having people who are open enough to share like, hey, this, like, I have a different perspective or different context or ideas about this, or just calling you out on your BS, because we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Um, But I think it's so important to have people to point that out for you. And for people who have trouble, let's say, progressing, whether it's, it could be anything, right? It's like finding your own happiness, happening fulfillment in your job, um, being able to hit certain milestones in your life that you want to be proud of. Like, Having people to support you, whether it's one person, 10 people, 100 people, whatever it is, like just find your A team, like people you can depend on when you need that guidance one way or another. And I can, I feel like I can definitely say that from my own experience where my my A team ranges from people I work with to people I've known since childhoods to like different managers and C-level people that I've worked with um, at previous jobs. And I think it's a nice way to stay connected with people, especially during kind of the kind of bonkers times that's going on right now and not having a lot of human connection. But also at the end of the day, when you can reflect on what you've done and how much you've grown, like these are the people who you can kind of credit, you know what I mean, to to helping you get there. So yeah, find your 18, man. It's awesome. I love that. Something that I, I struggle with, despite doing all of these shows, I feel, feel very much like an introvert mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to just reach out and find people. So it's part of why I like having podcasts. Is I can just talk to random people. <laughs> to come <laughs> yeah, me too. No worries. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's very valuable when I find those people. It's, mm-hmm. it's somebody that I try and stay in contact with and hold on to as a friend, uh, mm-hmm. or at least somebody that I can bounce ideas off of. I'm going to piggyback off of Maria's tip about the brag document. And my tip is working on your own personal portfolio page, but not just with the intent of having a portfolio so that you can be like, hey, this is who I am and talk to talk to companies and be able to point them at something that, that shows the work you've done. Use it as a tool to remember the things that you've done. So my personal website, for example, I have some about me talking about projects I've done, my certifications. I have my blog, which brings in blog posts that I've myself written or sorry, I have written on my own website as well as mm. blog posts I've written elsewhere that just external link. I have a page that's all of the podcast episodes I've done so that I can I can have that and be like, this is what I have achieved. This is what I have mm. done. And on top of that, just use your site as a way to experiment with different technologies, different frameworks. One of my favorite sites that's just somebody's personal site is Debbie O'Brien's blog oh. at Debbie.codes. When she was working at Nuxt, she would use her personal site as the playground for trying out new features in Nuxt. So when she wrote a blog post about this is how you do light and dark mode using Nuxt, she implemented light and dark mode using Nuxt on her own site. So just using your portfolio as like a playground in Mm. just trying out different things, trying out new techniques and how to program, trying out new frameworks. I mean, that's really the, the best use case because 
you are the consumer of that page at the end of the day. You want it to represent you. you you'll understand the requirements. You'll be able to do all of that planning instead of working on a, we'll use to-do app as an example, instead of building a to-do app that you're not going to use because you're building it for an imaginary someone else, your website is what you will use to demo yourself. Uh, so using that as a playground to explore different techniques and different ways of doing things is an excellent use of both building a portfolio and side project time. Mm. I will, sorry, I will share one more tip actually Lindsay shared with me, I think when you had first started at this dot, and it was the idea of let's say you're working on one specific project, like you're just working on an app, but keeping that same idea, but, you know, using different languages and different frameworks to learn those better. Because it's like, you're not having to jumble around different ideas of, oh my God, what should the app be? It's like, no, you just choose one and then just write and you just keep rewriting code in different frameworks and languages to, to learn how you can implement those things. And I thought that was such a superb idea and I remember I had put on like my list of like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. This is when I want to start. And I felt like that really opened the door for me to better understand who I am as a developer. You know what I mean? Whether it's knowing where my strengths are, having a better understanding of what I need to work on better, um, but also just knowing like, what do I prefer? You know what I mean? And sometimes that's, I know that sounds maybe kind of dumb, but it's like people have preferences and different opinions and that's totally okay. And it just, it was just such a fun thing to work on. So um, that's like a piggyback off of a tip of a tip kind of thing. But yeah, when Lindsay shared that with me, I was like, dear God, that's the best idea ever. <laughs> so I definitely encourage people to do that as well. Like I, I know there's a lot of people out there who have like a project that they've worked on or like a project that they kind of baby, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, let it spread its wings and try different frameworks and see what you like. So Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do when I find a new framework is I've got this one project that I've built in React, I built it in Vue, I built a CLI for it, built it in Svelte, uh, built it in Elm, and just getting to try that out in different frameworks and different languages is so much fun. Mm -hmm. All right, so I think that leads us to our last section of the podcast, which is, geez, I, I wanted to say author picks, but it's not author picks. It's um, just picks, <laughs> right? Picks? I think it's yeah. <laughs> we We are authors for the day. There you go. When I almost said voice actors was the next thing that popped <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but yeah, picks. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then we'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say, Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have this situation. How do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. I guess I'll, I'll start. I guess my pick is a video game that I just started playing. And I am very happy with the game. I was really nervous. It's called Genshin Impact. And really nervous about playing this game because it's a gotcha game i believe is the correct term so from what i understand it's kind of like if you really want like the most optimal like characters and whatnot you got to put like money into it and whatnot but luckily the whole game and the concept is free and you can play it out however you want they don't limit you on the story because you're playing it on a free account if anything it's just the characters if you just have like a specific favorite like oh that's the cool character i want 
that's where you might want to put money on it or something. I'm very happy with the game. It's been really relaxing, especially these last few weeks. It's been stressful on me because of COVID. So it's really nice to be able to just like at the end of the day of work, just go and play some games and just have a, a clear mind. That's my pick. So my pick is unsurprisingly a snack because I love snacks. But so I think it's a brand called Dang, D-A-N-G or Dang Foods. And they are, they make Thai rice crisps. So I know you guys can't see it like when you're listening to this, but just for Lindsay and Maria, it looks like this. And this is specifically this sriracha spice flavor. I think I got this at Whole Foods maybe. And it was like $3.50, which I don't know. I know you can buy like a bag of Lay's for like $1.99, which I prefer to, but I just wanted to try something new. And I thought it was pretty yummy. Like it's not spicy at all, despite the name being sriracha spice. And I bought the toasted sesame kind because the bag was purple and I like purple. So I just make decisions based on color apparently, but I thought it was pretty yummy. So if you're someone who's looking for a little bit more flavor, but something a little bit different, and I don't know, I don't really think it tastes like sriracha necessarily, like not actually the sauce itself, but it's still nice flavor. So if you like rice crisps, this is also non-GMO, plant-based and gluten-free. So yeah, I think you guys should try it. (laughs) I think I've tried those before. They are good. I haven't had that one though. Put that on my list. (laughs) My pick today is an app. There's a website and an app you can download and it's called Storygraph. I learned about this app from, I think Saranya Barak was sharing about it on Twitter. Basically the top five of, of the top five apps on iOS for or relating to books, Amazon has three of them. And there's there's Goodreads, there's Kindle, and there's Audible. And those are all Amazon at this point. And the other one, I can't remember what the other one was. That isn't this. But Storygraph was now number five on the App Store. And what Storygraph does is you can track what you're reading, what you want to read, get book suggestions, and it will record stats of what you've read so it can give you better recommendations. So if I'm going into my personal page right now, let's go to my profile. I know you can't see this, but I'm going to look at my stats. Let's see, I mostly have been reading adventurous books that are fast or medium pace, longer than 300 pages, about 300 to 499. All fiction, some mystery, some fantasy, some science fiction. I can see the amount of books I've read over time and how many pages. At the moment, I've recorded 2,497 pages read. It's, it's just a really nice app. And my, my favorite part about it is it's not Amazon. It's its its own thing. Mm. But it, you get all the descriptions. You can link to different books. You can then add them to a list that you want to read. It's it's very nice. So there's an app on iOS. I'm assuming there's one on Android. And there's a website that you can use. Uh, so highly recommend that. I think there are pro features. I have not looked at that yet. If I, if I do much more reading, I might need to, though. So that is Storygraph. The website is app.thestorygraph.com. How fun. And it looks really, I was just taking a look at the site and it's so clean and like, it makes me feel really calm and really interested. So that's cool. Yeah, it's good. So that is, that is my pick for the day. And that puts us at the end of the show. So we're just about to wrap up. I know we talked about this a bit at the beginning, but Maria, where can people find you uh, to continue this conversation? All right. You can find me on Twitter with a handler at this underscore underscore Maria. So thank you. And Susan, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. Um, I'm also always looking and pretty active on Stacklet stuff. So whether you tweet Stacklets, join the Discord server or whatever, like would love to say hello to people. Feel free to ask me questions. Like, yeah, Twitter is a place to be. So coming out. Excellent. Thank you. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. Uh, you can also go to my website, lindsaykwardell.com. That's basically my username everywhere. So uh, if you try it, it's probably me. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of She's in Tech, and we will see you again next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.